Darkness is not an affirmative force. It simply reoccupies the space vacated by the light. This is the Hamilton Quarter on American Family Radio. It should be uncomfortable for a believer to live as a hypocrite. Delivering people out of the bondage of mainstream media and the philosophies of this world. God has called you and me to be his ambassadors. Even in this dark moment, let's not miss our moment. And now, the Hamilton Corner. All right, folks, you see the news and it might make you madder than a mule chewing on bumblebees, but don't fret. We are in good hands. What's up, family? I'm talking about American Family Radio. My name is Kevin Jackson. I'm sitting in for Abraham Hamilton, the Hamilton Corner, and I thank him and AFA for trusting me with you, the audience. For those of you who want to find out more about me and my show, you can go to thekevinjacksonshow.com. And I will give that out again because the last time I guest host, other people did want to follow up. So I appreciate that. Here's my question for you. How long do you think Democrats believe they can get away with lying to you and lying to us? Because I tell you this, I believe we can and will outlast them. As the saying goes, the truth shall set you free. The truth just takes a little bit longer to get to Democrats or they refuse to read the memo. So here's what I can tell you, people listening to me. You can expect more lies. Now, let me give you an example of a lie that's circulating right now, just to give you an idea of the level of the the depth to which Democrats will dig in order to explain how duplicitous they are. There's a rumor circulating that President Trump is not interested in a second term. Now, do you believe that? The man is campaigning. He's working harder than any other president I've ever seen in my lifetime. And I believe he absolutely wants a second term. He's fighting hard for it. But the Democrats are have started this rumor. That he does not want a second term. And as far as I'm concerned, it proves just how afraid leftists are if they have to reduce themselves to spreading that type of rumor. What next? They're going to tell us that President Trump has an illegitimate black child. That was a rumor that floated with Bill Clinton. Don't think that it's not beyond them to do something like this. Then there was a rumor that he doesn't want to debate Joe Biden. Really? Doesn't want to debate Joe Biden. It, it, Carl, uh, uh, what's his name? Uh, uh, Carville. Jim Carville said that Donald Trump is afraid to debate Joe Biden. Why would you start that level of insanity of a rumor? C- can't they come up with something a little better than that? I mean, that's like saying LeBron James would refuse to play Barack Obama one on one in basketball because he fears losing. Or here's one. Maybe Tiger Woods would refuse to play Barack Obama in golf because he thinks Barack Obama could beat him in golf. Here's the first rule of lying. If you're going to do it, at least flirt with the truth. Is there anybody out there listening to this program who believes that Donald Trump doesn't want a second term and that he's afraid to debate Joe Biden. So I came up with a novel idea. Uh Oh, we dropped something here in the studio. Don't worry about it. We're all good. (laughs) We came up with this novel idea here at the show. How about uh, something that we God fearing conservatives do regularly? How about the Democrats just stop lying? How about they tell us the truth about how they really feel and or, or how about this? How about they tell us the truth about our policies versus their policies when something works or doesn't work? 
President Trump gave a speech at Mount Rushmore and he called the far left fascist. He said, when you're with the problem with leftism is that you must speak its language. You must perform its rituals. You must recite its mantras, follow its commandments, or you would be censored, banished, punished. He called it a left wing cultural revolution. Well, you folks listening to this program, you God fearing people like myself, Christ following Judeo Christian value people. We know this is not left wing. This is bigger than that. This is pure evil. Because let me tell you something. I've grown up in this country my whole life. I am a Native American born on this soil, as probably most of you are. And I will tell you this. Having traveled through 22 countries in Africa, lived in France and lived in China and been to a lot of other places, this country is a godsend. And the reason why people love this country, the reason why I love this country is because of you, Judeo-Christian conservatives. You are the reason that America is iconic. You are the reason that there is only one dream. It is called the American dream. There is no Chinese dream. There is no English dream. There is no German dream. There is the American dream. And it may feel at times like our country is slipping away because of these blatant liars, but I don't want you to believe it. We are winning. You represent the iceberg under the water. Every day, leftists showcase abject stupidity. They showcase their racism. They showcase their sexism. They showcase their secularism because they can't stand us. They chase away their own. This is what's happening right now. There are people who have joined us. They are new to the cause. They were not Christ followers. They looked at us and said, look at those sanctimonious people over there, always judging, always, you know, looking at us strange and holding us to a higher standard. And you know what they found out? Uh oh, <laughs> it's not them. <laughs> it's our side. I chuckle because I'm so full of joy that we're finally at a point in this country where they are exposing themselves so openly. So we get these new people that come over and you think, well, Kevin, where are these new people? I don't see them. I don't hear them. Where are the bumper stickers, baby? See, the problem is they suffer from muscle memory, muscle memory being with leftism that what I said earlier, they don't want to be banished. They don't want to be censured. They don't want to be punished. They still believe that's going to happen. They think that's the way you are. And you're not. You're very accepting. That's what we are about as a group of people. That's what conservatism is about. We we happily accept this. Anyway, these other folks, they come over, they want to join us. They're that part of the they're part of the iceberg that's under the water now, but they keep their mouths shut. So do many of you. But make no mistake about it, folks, they have joined us. They have tired of everything being politicized by liars, by people who are willing to lie in order to get more money, in order to gain more power. They do not care about us. And they will use whatever trick in the book there is. And the biggest trick has been played on the American people for decades is the trick of Americans being racist. I want you to listen to this Congress moment. Play cut one for me.
Uh, thank you, Mr. Chair. I rise to offer an amendment to H.R. 2, the Moving Forward Act, and thank my colleagues for their work on this legislation. Our nation's transportation and infrastructure policies play a critical role in building healthy and safe communities. But for far too long, they've perpetuated many of our most entrenched inequities. My amendment would require us to examine how our nation's transportation policies have impacted and targeted our most vulnerable. It is critical that we understand how transportation policies are criminalizing black and brown communities. Specifically Specifically, we have seen violent enforcement of fare evasion policies and the discriminatory placement of speed cameras and other surveillance technology in our lowest income communities. Mr. Chair, this is a moment of reckoning. There is a multiracial, multigenerational movement that for the last month has been affirming that black lives matter, demanding an end to racist systems and policies that disproportionately criminalize our black and brown neighbors. We have a mandate to center justice in all our policymaking. Our transportation policies are no exception. That's right, folks. Transportation is racist. You want to know why? Speed camp, speed these cameras. That's considered racist now. Math is considered racist. I don't know if you know that. Outer space, you cannot use the term black hole because that's now considered racist. If you think I'm kidding you, just Google all these things I'm talking about. This is the war that's going on in a country where black folks have risen from being slaves to having a president elected in 2008 who served two terms, and we are still talking about the same thing. Kevin Jackson, you're listening to, folks. If you want to give me a buzz, you can at 888-589-8840. I do not want it to be a one-way show, but I definitely want to tell you, I got plenty to talk about. Transportation is racist. Yeah, now if that don't get your fire started, your wood's wet. Because I'm telling you, there is nothing off limits. And we're going to get into a lot of this stuff. Here, here I thought that getting rid of Aunt Jemima and Uncle Ben was supposed to usher in some kind of utopian society where race was no longer discussed. I got asked one time when I was doing radio years ago, he said, Kevin, uh, if Barack Obama doesn't get elected, this was in 2012, if Romney wins, what are you going to be able to talk about? And I asked the, the uh, station manager, the, actually the guy that ran the radio show, I went, "What do you think racism is going to go away because Romney gets elected? Are you kidding? It doesn't matter who would have gotten elected. I think you know that. That's just the way we are. Wasn't banning the Confederate flag from NASCAR? I mean, that was the latest move. Wasn't that supposed to do it? Or, or here we go, finding that dreaded Tea Party racist who hung that noose in Bubba Wallace's garage. Wasn't that supposed to satisfy us all? Isn't the world a better place now? Now that we've gotten rid of that little noose in Bubba's garage, and now that NASCAR has gotten rid of the Confederate flag, and we've all been cleansed yet again? Isn't it funny, though, that you're not really seeing that? Isn't it funny that we're still talking about the same stuff? And I'm going to tell you something. I have a lot of intellect. I don't need to talk about race and stuff. I, I, I was a management consultant for the world's largest companies. I've gallivanted all over the world. There's plenty to talk about. This robust economy, particularly the economy pre-Wu flu pandemic. We could talk about that, but we're not talking about a lot of these things. Because the evil side of this nation that wants you to believe that you suffer from some sort of a, a malady by virtue of your birth, if you happen to be white, you are guilty of a sin. You should have white guilt, right? And I could go on. 
dumping all those statues of white men and replacing them with what? What, black thugs? Wasn't that supposed to bring about the society where we could all sing at campfires and roast marshmallows? Appropriate that we would roast the white marshmallow, right? The burning of the white man. Oh, yeah, 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 Kevin, I'm going to roast my marshmallows, <laughs> right? This is what was all supposed to give us a, a feeling of euphoria that we've all come so far. Here, I thought we'd already done it. I didn't think we need any more symbolism. When Barack Obama got elected, I didn't feel like, wow, America finally made it. That wasn't the right black guy to be the president of the United States. But you know what? If y'all wanted to settle on him, I'm cool with it because I already knew this country is the greatest country in the world. Full of so many contradictions as you watch these people out there complaining every single day. The richest people on the planet, LeBron James, Stephen Curry, Colin Kaepernick, all of them complaining, not even anecdotally experiencing anything close to what they claim is happening in the black community. And you want to know why we are where we are. Black Lives Matter. Do I need to tell you how much money this terrorist group has raised? This group is so far away from God, it is ridiculous. I don't know if we have the clip of a, I don't want to play it yet if we do, but let me see. I don't, no, Yeah, we do, we do, but I'm not going to play it yet. I'm going to play it later in the program. But a guy by the name of Marcellus Wiley talked about this group. And I'm telling you, he sums it up better than anybody. So we got a lot to talk about. I used to tell people everything that you that is going on in your life. And I told this to this radio guy. I said, everything going on in your life. Is going to tie itself back to racism or classism. Tax policy, foreign policy. Give you an example. Should we build a wall? Oh, well, it makes sense to build a wall because it would stop people from just coming in and under our sovereign land, et cetera. Oh, no, no, no. You're xenophobic. Oh, you hate Mexicans. No, I don't. I want a wall because every country should have a barrier. We have border check stations. Try to sell that to a leftist. They don't want you to believe that. They want you, they want you to believe that if you want a wall, you are racist against the person you're building a wall. If you built a wall in Canada, they would tell you it's to keep out Canadian brown and black people. That's how this works. We got a lot of callers waiting and I'm going to take some calls when we come back. So happy to be sitting in, folks, for Abraham Hamilton, the Hamilton Corner. You're listening to Kevin Jackson. We are going to cover a lot of topics today. I know we only got an hour, and I'm used to doing three-hour shows, so I'm going to have to condense. But I'm glad you're with me. Keep it here. We'll be right back. And now, your two-minute health and prayers update from the Presidential Prayer Team, a ministry of the Pray First Radio Network. The data that we're seeing around the country, we're tracking literally state by state, uh, county by county. We're actually seeing early indications uh, of a percent of positive testing flattening in Arizona and Florida and Texas. Governors in uh, each of those states have taken strong steps 
uh, to flatten the curve, and we're beginning to see early indications that positivity is flattening. And in Arizona and Florida, uh, we're beginning to see uh, declining numbers of emergency room visits as well. We believe the takeaway from this for every American, particularly in those states that are impacted, is just keep doing what you're doing. We're beginning to see indications that they are having uh, a good effect. Hello, this is Jim Bolthouse, president of the Pray First Radio Network. During these times of uncertainty, we're here for you with current information about the COVID-19 virus, as well as important prayer points to guide you in prayer at a time when our country needs it most. Psalm 27.1 reminds us of the love and strength we receive from God. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the stronghold of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? We'd like to invite you right now to join us in prayer. Dear Heavenly Father, as we face these days, we trust in you and know that your love conquers all. We ask for the strength and wisdom to endure the challenges that come our way. Help us to remain true. Give us comfort and help us to remember that we are not of this world. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen. To access free prayer resources that guide you in prayer and to see updates about the COVID-19 virus, go to pausetopray.org. Brian Fisher here with today's Life and Liberty Minute. As Christians, we believe that all lives matter, which of course means that black lives matter too. We believe that every life matters, whether black or white or brown, and those lives matter whether they are born or unborn. But that's not what the organization Black Lives Matter is all about. Black Lives Matter, the organization, is a Marxist socialist outfit whose agenda includes the destruction of the intact nuclear family, the promotion of the LGBT agenda, and the abolition of the Christian heritage of America. Its followers are not about strengthening marriages and families in the black community, but destroying them for political purposes. Black Lives, yes. Black Lives Matter, the organization, no. It's bad for America and the black community they only pretend to care about. Catch Brian Fisher on Focal Point, weekday afternoons at 105 Central on American Family Radio. Light into the darkness. This is the Hamilton Corner on American Family Radio. Kevin Jackson, formerly of Fox News, proprietor of the BlackSphere.net, which is where you can find my musings, and also the KevinJacksonShow.com. If you want to give us a call, the number is 888-589-8840. Hope to hear from you. I was thinking if Democrats told the truth about themselves, nobody would elect them. They are not true to themselves so how can they be true to anybody around them and it's a sad state of affairs when you think about it when people really don't know who you are people used to ask me all the time when i was after i finished pummeling leftists on fox news they say kevin do they really believe the stuff that they were saying in the window and i said yes they do they believe it but it's not because they believe it to their core it's because they believe it because they're forced to believe it you ever you ever been a you ever been bullied You ever had somebody make you do something? That's what leftism is. Leftism says you will adapt to this ideology. You will be true to this ideology or we will get you. That's what it does. And uh, I I talk about this a lot. You know, I had a dad who was in San Quentin prison and, uh, you know, he 
He, my dad was such a bad guy. I used to lie about him. I wouldn't tell people that my dad was in prison. What kid wants to tell you his father's in prison? Hey, Kev, so what's your dad do as he's sitting there with his dad at a baseball game? Oh, well, my dad is, he was an armed robber and he's now in San Quentin prison. <laughs> Said no kid with any animation. So I made things up. I was a, a liar. And you know what? I wish I could go back and undo every one of those stupid little lies, the childish lies. But I understand my motivation for doing it. Didn't make it right. And that's what liberals are. They lie to your faces. They will tell you, oh, you need to wear a mask for this reason. Or here's the statistics on COVID or Black Lives Matter isn't racist or whatever it is that they're trying to sell you. But it's all a lie. They don't believe in the truth. They Look, th there are many times, look, as Christians, we. The lie hurts us. I mean, it isn't always great that you live life on the up and up. You know, if you find a satchel of $50,000, it isn't like your instinct isn't to go, wow, this is newfound money. But you know what you do? You turn it in. I found wallets, purses, all that. You know what I do? My, it, it, it came a point in my life, you know, especially when you become a Christ follower, you don't even think about doing the wrong thing. You just go, oh, it's a purse. I got to turn it in. One time I, me and my wife, it took us, I don't know, three or four hours. We went on Facebook and found a, a woman's purse that she had lost. And she was like, I cannot believe it. This is during the time of Ferguson. It was all the protests. She dropped her purse and we got it back to her. Anyway, look, we got to take a few calls because there's some people waiting. I think we've got Robert from Texas. Robert, what's up? Hey, how you doing? Man? Uh oh, did I? Good. Good to talk to you, man. Yeah, so I was just trying to uh, chime in on the whole Black Lives Matter thing. I, I personally, um, I'm African-American myself. I'm from Louisiana. And um, I just feel like now it's more so political dividing. Because growing up, I, I always went to church. I went to church every Sunday. My grandma took us to church. I had a brother and a sister and went every single day. And I I didn't I didn't have a problem or I don't have a problem with, you know, who people love because you can't control who someone loves and how they decide to go about it. But it just seems like how it's like everything that was like instilled in me as a child is being like it's like more so being taken like broken off piece by piece sure. as time goes on. It's like um say like the the marriage and everything is like I don't have a problem with it personally because, you know, if you love someone, you should be able to get married to whoever you love. But it's like, it was just like, you know, I don't know. It gets, it goes to a point of you're not so much as attacking anyone as you're defending yourself. Yeah. So, so Robert, listen, I, I think I got what you, what the gist of what you're saying. So let me, uh, I appreciate the call. Let me, let me kind of break it down for you. So I think what Robert is talking about is gay marriage. There is no such thing as gay marriage. Now, there's gay unions. And in as much as what he says is that you, the heart wants what it wants. Right. So if you if you're a guy and for some reason you're attracted to a guy or a woman attracted to another woman, I can't be mad at you because that's what your heart wants. The Bible says it a little differently. But here's what I will tell you. You're not married. Marriage is a, bi a biblical principle. Any more than a rose can be a chrysanthemum. And what happens is, is that people challenge us. They challenge the lexicon. They say, can I make a Christian capitulate by by using the heart, you know, the heartstrings? Kevin, the heart wants what it wants. OK, fine. Give it a new name. 
but you can't give in marriage because that's a, that's a that's a, a con, you know contract between man and God, right? That that's a man and a woman saying by the by virtue of a biblical situation, I want to be you know in right with God as I as we put our union together, and that does not include gays. That doesn't mean we don't love them. That doesn't mean we don't accept them. It, I, I say to gay people all the time because they go, you don't like the way I live. And I go, well, you obviously don't like the way I live. <laughs> so what's the difference? If, In other words, if there was a gay Bible and they said to be heterosexual is a sin, my hands up. I'm a sinner. I admit it. And if there was a God I had to pray to because I was sinning, because I was a sinner as a, as a heterosexual, then I would happily pray to that God. But don't tell me that yours is different than mine. You know, and we can go into oppression and all these other things. But just like with blacks, gays are no longer oppressed the way that gays are getting over in this world. So don't act as if there's some level of oppression that isn't being achieved. It, it, America gives anybody the opportunity to do what they want and to become what they want. But here's what they don't want. America does not want people who lead with sexuality, who lead with color, who lead with gender who lead with religion. Oh, I should get special privileges because I'm a Muslim. I should get special privileges because I'm a woman. No, you shouldn't. You, you should carve your life out like everybody else. All right, let's talk to Dave from, uh, I think from Texas. Got a lot of calls from Texas. Hey, Dave. Hello? Dave, you there? It's James. Oh, sorry, James. They put it in the wrong name. Yeah, no problem. No problem. Kevin, thanks. I do appreciate your commentary today. You said something earlier about LeBron James and Stephen Curry that caught my attention, and I was trying to get you, or I'd like to get you to expand on that a little bit, about what is it for them? Because they've already got fame. They've already got money. Uh, you know, what is it? They've not participated in any of the down-in-the-hood in the stuff. Okay, so Right. Good question. Thanks for the call, <clears throat> James. And uh, let's we're going to fire my board operator. He put Dave in there for James. I'm just kidding. OK, so that's a great question. Let me tell you what they get. They get something that people crave far too much. They get even though they have fame, they want uh, they want fame on steroids. They have they want what's what I think of as acceptance. It's one thing to have fame. See, Stephen Curry is liked. LeBron James is liked. But if you don't like them because they beat your team, then you 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 like them as a player, but you don't like them as a human being. They want to be liked as a human being. As they say today, everybody wants to be woke. And so by doing that, you get this you, you get a level of of adoration that goes beyond, believe it or not, what they experience as ball players. I'll give you a good example of what I'm talking about. Even though we think LeBron James is a big deal, there are people who are into guns, for example, and they don't really care about LeBron James, but they can tell you all about guns and they know who the best sharpshooter is in the Olympics. And if that person walked through the airport, they would know who they are. There are people that know who the best, you know, like they can spot their favorite golfer. They can spot, um, you know, name your, your, your thing that you're into darts. I used to throw darts. I can spot every chubby little Brit that ever threw a dart. I knew the guys that could really throw though, you know, just, just lights out, but nobody else would recognize them. There's a level of fame that you get that people like Kaepernick and others want. Now, in most cases, Kaepernick, he wants, he did it because his career was on the, on the skids. So that's why he did it. And he, now he's at a level of fame that he was never going to get 
as a B-League football player. That fame is an elixir. People love it. They crave it. And so that's why you end up with guys like that. All right, let's take uh, Gina. She's been waiting a long time. We, we need to break up the, the guy party here. Hey, Gina, how are you? I'm doing well, thank Gina? you. Yeah, you're good. Okay. Am I still up next? Or you are. You're on. on. Yeah. Oh, 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 I'm sorry. <laughs> Kevin, God love you. <laughs> um, you're just blessing my soul, my heart so much. Um, uh, I just you. wanted to say... Thank you. I just wanted to say that a lot of this name-calling and everything, we look in Scripture and we see that um, God, Jeremiah says, do not be afraid of their faces. Number one. Number two, the number one commandment in the Word of God is fear not, fear not. All these people who are afraid of losing money and this or that, that's their, that's their motivation. That's what their yep. heart calls for. They, the love of money is the root of all evil. We know that. But the one thing I wanted to just say, because I have not heard this anywhere, it's been on my heart, as far as this racism name-calling goes, Obama was the ultimate racist, because yeah. he essentially denied his white mother. Correct? Well, the, I can say this, there were, many other, there were many other factors that, um, and, and I appreciate the call, Gina, I'm going to have to get to some other ones here. There are many other factors that, that showcase Obama's racism. Uh, the thing that bothers me today is that we are so ready to accept racism in our faces. I dare you to go out. I, I can show you story after story. Black Lives Matter leaders who one leader, this lady out of uh, Montreal said white people are an inferior race. I mean, she's literally the opposite of Dr. Shockley, who said that black people were an inferior race. Now, it, she said it openly. Now, she pulled down her tweets when, after she said it. But she did say it. And there are people out there that are talking about killing cracker babies and doing this and other stuff. And then you're going, what? Who can just come out and say these kinds of things? And, and we consider ourselves a civilized nation. Look, back in, 17, in the early 1600s, 1700s, we, black people were working in fields. We were cattle. They called us chattel. And we elected a president who is black, part, half black, in 2008. We've come that far. The, even prior to Obama getting elected, I would tell you, this audience that I'm talking to right now, you guys were so beyond race, so beyond. We are the most accepting people, particularly, you know, Christians. We we are just, you know, come what may. I'm not telling you there's not a, a sect of us that is a bit sanctimonious at times and full of themselves. To me, they're, they're just as suspect as some of these leftists. But we are a good soul. America is nothing but a good soul. And you, but you to hear people talk about this country, you would think it's impossible for black people to achieve. And it's just it is so patently ridiculous that you all I can tell the audience is be very happy that Donald Trump has driven people to such a level of insanity that now, as I played earlier, transportation is racist. I don't know where you are, but there are speed cameras in my area. <laughs> this lady talking about they only put these in black areas. That's nonsense. They, you know, and, and what else is, is what can you talk about with transportation? Oh, public transportation. Who who installed it? Democrats. There, It isn't Christians that said, hey, listen, let's go put in public transportation and make it impossible for black people to get on buses and trains and subways. They use them every day. If it's a system that's, that's racist, who built it? Did, did Christians build it? No. 
the, these Democrats in cities built it. They've corralled blacks into these cities. They've given them impossible situations. And then they say, hey, uh, you've got all this criminality, but now let's let's ignore it. I don't know if you guys saw this new bill that's coming out. We can talk about it a little bit later, but it's called the Karen Act. And it is you can't call 911 and and make it a racial call. So if a black guy jumps over your fence, you better not tell the 911 operator that it's a black guy trying to steal the barbecue pit off your off your back porch, which, by the way, happened to me. Anyway, let me take I don't know if I have time for one more call. Do I producer? All right, I'm going to bring on Michelle as well. Michelle in Texas. Hey, Michelle, how are you? Fine. How are you? I'm well. Um, I'm calling Kevin, Kevin Jackson, Kevin Jackson. Yes, ma'am. You at all? <laughs> but I am deeply saddened by your commentary. Okay. For you to, for you to blatantly state that there's no racism in America when, on Obama's victory, his accolades and his victories were all suppressed. You know, it was against the law in Texas. Do not celebrate. You do so let, not let me uh, let me correct you. Let me let me let me correct you for a quick second, because I don't mind you. I don't mind you talking about what I say, but I did not say there's no racism in America. So but go ahead. Oh, well, OK. So then I misunderstood your quote. But the racism is so thick here in America, not only America, but in the entire world. And the Lord says that we are to love our neighbors as ourselves. Mm -hmm. And for the other guy to say, what do they want? They want you to leave them alone. So let, 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 let's, before you, you go into that, before you get into that, let me ask you this. What racism are you talking about? Are you talking about the abject racism of somebody saying black lives matter more than other lives? That's abjectly well, racist. You one thing. I am totally against Black Lives Matter because there's okay, so well, many we share that. other there's there's so many other things that's in the underlying of this Black Lives Matter issue. Yeah, that's, I agree. But okay, but I still want to explore racism. Uh, okay, great. But I still want to explore so racism with you. Yeah. Okay. So what so else? What else in America do you? What else in America, Michelle? Do you find racist? Like, give give me. Well, actually, I I, I can't take the call. Maybe we can hold you over but i want to i want to know what else you find racist in america because i know there's racism in america i know where it comes from and what i'm telling you is it's not coming from where people believe it's coming from it's not even coming anywhere near where people are telling us it's coming from it's coming from the people that are calling other people racist short break we'll be back you're listening to kevin jackson filling in for abraham hamilton the third Brian will tell us what he's interested in, and Brian's interested in about everything. There's not a story out there that he does not see through a biblical lens. It's not finding content for the program, it's finding which content would be best uh, for that day. 
Focal Point with Brian Fisher, weekdays at 1 Central on AFR. Brian walks into the studio with a stack of papers ready to tackle the issues of the day. Friendships is offering an amazing opportunity for young adults who want to grow in their walk with God, learn relief missions, experience the mission field, and become physically fit. Sound like something you've been looking for? Check out Seahawks one-year scholarship program at friendships.org or call 337-433-5022. That's 337-433-5022. The next session starts August 10th. Mission Outreach, the Middle East. Tearing down American history. This is David Wheaton, host of The Christian Worldview. During the past month, over 100 statues and monuments of American historical figures have been torn down, defaced, or removed by local authorities. Why? Because those with a leftist worldview believe the lie that America was established illegitimately and built by white supremacists. Anyone with a biblical worldview should realize that our founders, just like Old Testament heroes, were sinners like we are. But their contribution to building the freest, most prosperous, compassionate, and next to ancient Israel, most God-fearing nation in history, is worthy of honor. Undeniable progress over past mistakes doesn't matter, though, for those fomenting Marxist revolution. Hear more at thechristianworldview.org, and then tune in this weekend as we discuss the Beatitudes from Jesus' Sermon on the Mount. Listen to The Christian Worldview with David Wheaton, Saturday mornings at 8 Central on American Family Radio. Hello, Americans. I'm Todd Starnes with news and commentary next. Uh, my goal as a teacher is, is to impart knowledge and then be able then for them to take it and turn it into wisdom. As we teach, I think, okay, five years down the road, how will the material that I am teaching them really affect their lives and their careers? Hi, Todd Starnes here. Truett offers biblically-centered degree programs. Check out truett.edu slash Starnes. Brooks Brothers has been outfitting American men for more than 200 years, the nation's oldest clothing store. They survived two world wars, a civil war, and the Spanish flu, only to be done in by the Chinese virus. The clothing store filed for bankruptcy protection this week. It turns out most men have traded in their seersucker and pinstripes for sweatpants. Brooks Brothers is also unique because they make all clothes on American soil. But that could change, warning that three of its factories could close if the economy does not bounce back. And they aren't the only ones. Neiman Marcus, J. Crew, J.C. Penney, even Hertz. And while national chains are suffering, it's even worse for mom and pop businesses. But no one in Washington seems terribly concerned about the plight of the small business owner. Some lawmakers have made the political calculation that a failing economy will hurt President Trump. And they don't seem to care if your local pizza joint may be collateral damage. I'm Todd Starnes. The Hamilton Quarter Podcast and One Minute Commentaries are available at AFR.net. Back to the Hamilton Quarter on American Family Radio. All right, everybody, welcome back. Kevin Jackson sitting in for Alexander, Alexander Abraham Hamilton III. And I'm happy to be here. We are having a vibrant discussion with a young lady named Michelle in Texas, and she's talking about racism, and she got after me a little bit, and that's okay. Uh, we can all we can agree to disagree at times. So I want to bring Michelle back in to give me a specific on racism, and, uh, and we'll address that because I want to get to some of the other callers as well. So, Michelle, you're back on. 
I want a specific thing that you say is racist in terms of the system, because we hear that a lot. There's an institutional racism. So what is it? Yes. Well, there's so many. But I'm going to put my finger on one and okay. call it like it is when sure. you can when you can hate someone, which is racist, when you can hate someone because of the color of their skin, that's a mental issue. I wouldn't even call that racist. I would say that that's a mental issue. And that's the okay. So, so, but that world. are you calling that? Are you calling that institutional racism? Because I can tell you right now that go watch videos all on Twitter or all over the, the news, and you know what you'll find: black people getting hitting people walking down the street because they're white. You don't see a whole lot of yeah. videos of white people just attacking black. So, the racism in that I regard is a two way street. Exactly, and I'm just calling out racism. Okay, yes. well, then you're right. So, the, so there is racism so, in America. Racism system, I'm sorry, I don't want to argue because i got too many things to say. Um, <laughs> another thing is, how can you hold down somebody and not expect them to retaliate at some given point? I mean, you Okay, so who's, be, who's being held down? No, 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 no. I don't look. I'm not going back into slavery and all that. I just want to. It's a simple question. Are you? I'm talking about today, sir. Okay. Okay. Great. So tell me what it is that a black person today cannot achieve. You do realize that black people were millionaires back in the in the early 20th century. That Maggie Walker was the first black female millionaire. We had Black Wall Street. If if you could achieve it during that time of racism. Tell me why we can't do it today. You're on. Go for it. Okay, because they do not want you to have it. Just the comment that really? the guy made. So, so how many black? How many black? No, 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 no. You don't tell me they don't want us to have it because there are too many of us that have it. So I guess it's a figment of my imagination. But look at what cost. At what cost? At what cost? Anywhere, at what cost? What what, what what is it that what is it that black people cannot do in America that upset you? Because okay, just being a black person in America upsets the white man. And they that, that's that's such a that's they, such a generalized statement that it's nonsense. Look, Michelle, if you want to tell me there's institutional racism, thanks for the call. If you want to tell me there's institutional racism in schools, I'll tell you where that racism aligns. It aligns in cities that are run by Democrats, generally black Democrats. You want to tell me about institutional racism of policing? I will tell you, where does it occur? It occurs in Cleveland, Chicago, Baltimore, you name it, LA, Atlanta, all these cities. You know who runs those cities? Democrats, and in many cases, black Democrats. I can give you racism. I can give you institutional racism. And you know where it points every single time? To the left. So that's the problem. I'm going to bring on David. We don't have a lot of time, but David, I'm going to, you want to talk about some stereotypes. So calling out of Illinois. What's going on, David? Hey, Kevin. Nice to talk to you. Thanks for taking my call. My pleasure. Sometimes, uh, well, first off, I I agree with you that there is racism that exists in America. Uh, It it is there. Uh, I've seen it myself. Uh, But sometimes I think folks are a little too quick to point out something that they think is racism. But it actually, in some cases, it's stereotyping. And, I, and I'll give you an example. Uh, you're sitting in a restaurant, like a McDonald's or something like that, and four guys dressed like Hell's Angels walk in. You're going to immediately get nervous. Well, why? 
well, because the Hells Angels have a reputation uh, and a reputation for trouble. But if four young black guys would walk in dressed in kind of an urban type culture and you get nervous, some people would say that's racist. But in reality, it's just more of a stereotype because they might look like gang members. Well, it's called. Uh, so thanks for the call, David. Let me now. Let me let me tell you what it is, and I apologize. I got to get through a lot of calls here. So you're talking about profiling. There are there's a, a a whole system of people in the FBI called profilers, and you know what they do? They look at the the likelihood of this person committing this type of crime. You are smart to profile. I, I have an old joke. I said there's a white guy. He's uh, he's on the left side of the street, and there's four black kids walking in what we call the uniform of the cr- of the criminal. And uh, they say they say 68 percent of white people will cross the street and they call them racist. And they say, what are the other 32 percent? And the joke is victims. If you do not use your common sense in saying, you know what, black kids in gangs at, from the ages of 17 to 25 are committing almost 50 percent of the violent crime in America. If you want to ignore that, feel free. I will not ignore it. And if you want to call me a racist, fine, I'm crossing the street. And I'm also getting ready. If I have a weapon, I'm getting my I'm going to have my hand on my weapon because that is the the nature of things. If it's four nuns, I'm not going to do anything. I'm going to keep walking. If it's four monks, I'm going to keep walking. If it's four Asian uh, ladies, I'm going to keep walking. There are things that, that you just have to understand. And it doesn't make you a bad person. It doesn't make you a racist. We get so caught up in stereotyping and all this. Look, I know. Believe me. We we know how to do the right thing. We are not a racist culture. All right, who do we have? We got uh, Todd, who wants to talk. On he's from Louisiana. What's going on, Todd? Hey, thank you, man. Uh, let me make this quick. Uh, God created humans to have feelings and emotion, and I'm gonna I'm gonna comment on that. Everybody, this is what you're seeing today. is based on feelings and emotions, and you cannot act on those feelings and emotions because then the act turns to anger. It turns to hate. That has to stop. And you have to know the difference. If God created humans not to be racist, he's not racist. So why are we? So stop, you know, battling with your emotions and your feelings. And this this country would get better. And people would get better towards one another if they would just gather their emotions and feelings and stop hating everybody. I'm Stay, thanks for the call, Todd. So Todd's talking about emotions here. Let me explain what Todd really means by that. He, he, he says you shouldn't act on emotions. Absolutely, you should act on emotions. The problem is we don't, and I'm going to talk about the black culture. As a young kid, I lost my mother before I turned five years old. I woke up the next day after her funeral and she was gone. I didn't even understand it. And I was angry. You know, I didn't realize it, but I was angry. The person that meant the most to me in my life was gone. And nobody even took the minute to explain to me what she was gone forever. She wasn't on vacation. She wasn't gone to work. She was gone. And so it, it impacted all of my decisions leading up to a certain point in my life. Unbeknownst to me, I was angry. I wrote a piece one time called zero to, to 60, zero to angry in 3.1 seconds. And what it was is everything for me made me mad. If I didn't get my way, I was mad. If the ball didn't bounce to me right, I was mad. It, I didn't understand. There's a whole range of emotions emotions can be, I was disappointed. I was frustrated. I was melancholy. I was a lot of things, but I don't have to go from zero to mad. And the problem is we have built a society 
that goes from zero to mad. And we we put it on steroids with social media because now as opposed for something to, to percolate, and let you think about it a little bit. You can tweet and say they just shot this black man for no reason. And I can give you a story of a heroin dealer who shot at police officers and the police shot him and killed him. And people got up there and were talking about how the police brutally killed this guy. And you know what saved them? They had two cameras at the convenience store that showed both angles. This guy drove up and started shooting at the cops and they had it on camera. If it hadn't been for that, it would have been the next Ferguson. And it was in a little town right next to Ferguson within three months of the Ferguson event. So that's the problem. We want people to go from zero to angry. I'm not talking about us. I'm saying we have an element of society that wants people to go from zero to angry. And that's pathetic. All right, let's see. We've got Donna from Texas. Hey, Donna. Hello. Hello. Yes, I wanted to say um, just kind of a little a little bit of history. Um, when the pilgrims came to this nation and they, they had a, a high percentage of deaths that first year, and a lot of them were the moms who were sacrificing to save their children. And what you see as you study is that your pioneers, always sacrificed. They have fewer conveniences, they have a higher death rate, but they're doing it um, to help the next generation. I had a teacher in middle school who scared me to death. She seemed angry. She was a a young black woman. Um, She was always threatening to throw one of the boys in the class out the window, and I thought she probably would. And I was scared of her, and my daddy said, no, honey, she was one of the first kids to integrate at the high school, and she had a terrible time. And she's still dealing with that. And what I realized is those, that first generation that integrated, man, they did. They had such a rough time. They fought so hard for what they deserved. And now since then, there's been two different paths that have been taken. Some people have built on that pioneer generation. And some chose to dis- disregard Galatians 5.1 and put on the yoke of slavery again by choosing a welfare system and destroying their families. And I would so love to see people just set that aside and quit claiming that as their heritage and claim the heritage of my teacher who was a pioneer and set a course and got something better for her children. I think, thank you for the call, Donna. You're right. There's a generation of people that did go through this. And to be honest with you, they're in their 70s and 80s now. Uh, the, the kids today, the people today have nothing to complain about. And the problem is if we as Christians allow them it's like, you know, if you're going to act like a child, then I'm going to parent you. I parent everybody's kids. If I'm at the grocery store and somebody's kid is acting up and their parents are doing nothing, I parent them. And people look, my wife will go, Kevin, yeah, stay out of this. No, I'm not staying out of this. That kid is bothering me. If, if he stays away from me, I'm good. But when they start bothering me, then I go, no, you, your parent won't parent you. I'll parent you. America needs to be parented. And we're afraid to do it because we're supposed to keep our hands off. Well, I tell you, you better start acting like a parent. You better start telling people that's wrong. You're not going to transfer your problem to me. That is the worst form of abuse. I talked about it when I hosted another show earlier uh, last week. The worst form of abuse is self-abuse. And the worst thing you can do is let somebody steal your identity. We do both. We do both as Americans and we do both as Christians. We let people tell us what we're who we are. I, I'm not going to have it. All right. We're going to bring on uh, Charles uh, from Texas. Hey, Charles. Hey, how you doing? 
Hey, uh, I, I want to make a few statements here. I, I, I have friends who ask me, hey, how do you as a black man support President Trump? And, you know, it's like during Barack Obama, eight years of, of being uh, president, I never I never voted for him. I, I couldn't get over the name for Barack Hussein Obama, the black guys I grew up with. And their name was Charles, Bubba, John and stuff like that. So I never I never, I never voted for Barack Obama. I never did. And, and it was just some, some, something inside me said that it just wasn't right. And they asked me, how do I support Trump? Well, you know, during, I, I, I have a history that it took me a while to get over my history. I grew up in the 60s and 70s. It took me a while to get over my history to get a good job. I got my master's degree. I got everything squared away with that and got over 15 years of experience doing, doing uh, development work. Well, during the Obama administration, I, I, I lost my job for about two years. I almost lost my American dream, my house, <laughs> for, the, for being uh, uh, on the verge of being uh, foreclosed on. I lost my BMW and everything. And then I finally got a job just before Trump came in office. Now, since Trump in office, I have two jobs that I work from <laughs> home that both pay over, both pay six-figure jobs. Two jobs, both pay six-figure jobs. I work from home. On the computer, people are going to be asking Charles, "Can you hook me up?" <laughs> no, and it, it, it's not just Trump. It's, it's also I, I used to be afraid of the police officers, but when I finally I finally gave my life to God, I finally gave my life to Christ, and I started being Absolutely. a knucklehead out there. I'm no longer afraid of the police officers. You know, I'm, I'm doing the right thing here. I'm paying my tithes. I'm, I'm going to church. I'm spreading this Good gospel. I'm, I'm taking care of my family. I'm doing the things that Christ called me to do. And, you know, and, and a, lot of, a lot of Christians are like, how you don't support Black Lives Matter? Well, but did you did you look here, here what my son's body said about Black Lives Matter? Did you go on the, did you go on the website? And read don't the go to the website. <laughs> yeah, just go to the website. Hey, Charles, I hate to cut you off because I'm a, I'm a, I got, I, I got a, a lot to get done here in, a, in only a minute to do it. But, uh, and, and everybody else, I apologize. We couldn't get to the board. We had a lot of people calling. Look, very simple. God is the answer. He's giving us the answer. He's telling you onward Christian soldiers marching off to war. You are in a war. Whether you believe it or not, whether you want to be in it, you're in a war. And you better be, be ready to fight for it. And I know that sounds, you know, like antithetical to biblical principle. But, you know, sometimes you got to go to war over what you believe. And that's what I try to do. Listen, you're listening to Kevin Jackson sitting in for Abraham Hamilton III. I will be back again tomorrow. Hope to see you here, too. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast may not necessarily reflect those of the American Family Association or American Family Radio.